caution. Kelly Ventura backstage contains blatant pretense, frequent sarcasm, and moments of partial lucidity. Listener discretion is advised. All right, so we have a very special guest uh, on the show today. She is one of the hardest working local actors that I know. She's been uh, involved with many COS theater projects. She played the lead role recently of D'Artagnan in the COS production of The Three Musketeers. She currently works with the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival on a regional and national level. Please welcome the highly accomplished Isabella O'Keefe. Hey, Isabella, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? We are doing great. So how are you doing with everything, all the craziness that's going on in the world? How is, uh, how's it going with Isabella? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like it's made my gear shift a little bit more towards film and then just outside projects. It's kind of interesting because I transferred to Fresno State in the middle of this, but I have yet to complete a semester there in person. So that's just interesting, same as everyone else. I also feel like it kind of influenced my decision to go to Fresno State, but it's really nice. I feel like I'm not getting that whole mentorship aspect that you normally get when you're able to be in person with your instructors. Right. So I'm missing that part. Well, sure. and that's and that's funny because working with you, uh, you know, back in, I think we started back in 2016 working with you. One of the things I remember is that you were always working on multiple projects at once. So <laughs> I wanted to ask, what is it that keeps you motivated? First of all, and working on so many different things at once, besides large amount, a large amounts of caffeine, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of funny. I hate coffee. I do not <laughs> hate coffee at all. If I ever need like energy, I'll drink Mountain Dew, which I know is bad, but that's how I use my energy. I don't really sleep that much either, so I don't know how I keep going. To be honest with you, I just think I still don't know what I want to do. So I just want to do it all. I want to learn everything. I kind of believe, even though I consider myself an artist, I think I'm going to be a lifetime student and scholar, and I just like to learn everything. And even if I know some bit of something, I just want to learn more so I become an expert at it. I feel like that's motivated. (laughs) So you heard it here, kids, if you're listening to the show. The way to do it is not to sleep and drink a large amount of Mountain Dew. (laughs) So everyone comes to theater in vastly different ways, as we know. But how did you first start becoming involved in theater? So it was actually through my school at Cottonwood Creek. We have, um, it's called like a tricky trade. So you buy raffle tickets and there's different prizes you could put yours in. I remember specifically only dropping one. I think it was like a kids edition drama camp. I dropped one ticket in there, but then I got selected for it. And then I actually went to the kids camp over summer. I wasn't able to do the performance because I believe I was going out of town or something. And then from there, I just kind of really liked it and I wanted to do more of it. So my mom signed me up for an Enchanted Playhouse theater workshop over summer. And then I kind of took a hiatus for a little while. And then I started working with the Enchanted Playhouse. I believe my first show, official show was James and the Giant Peach. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's a great show to start off with. That's awesome. Yeah. So you've done, as we've discussed, you've done so much. Um, But what is it hard for you to decide, like, what your favorite role has been so far? And do you even have a favorite role or have they all been your favorites for different reasons? Yeah, definitely. I've been fortunate enough to have so many different roles with so many 
different abilities and then also meanings. For me, I definitely love playing um, like powerful roles in general, but not necessarily for me, more so for the impact, the hearing little girls and little boys yeah. and just the children in general coming up and thinking you're either a real life princess, you're their hero, or hearing Chris recite essays where they're saying that they felt seen and represented because I'm multi-ethnic. Those ones are the roles that really touch my heart. So yeah. it's really hard for me to pick. But when I first casted you as Maid Marian in Robin Hood, it was back in 2016, I knew the role was going to be much different than the traditional Maid Marian, you know, the damsel in distress. And I think we had talked about this a lot. And, and one of the ways I was going to do that was to make Maid Marian, um, you know, make, make her a fighter. <laughs> and really, I mean, whether or not, in my mind, I was thinking whether or not Robin Hood showed up or not, she could she could rescue and defend and save herself. And, and back then, I felt it was important, like what you were saying, you know, you get those letters from, from, from kids or from audience members that say they really felt represented. I felt it was important, like you were saying, for younger students to see that, you know, princesses don't have to be powerless. And I have to say, you really took to that role and everything that it entailed. Actually, I think everybody in that cast pretty much got more than what they bargained for uh, <laughs> in that yeah. cast with, with all of the stage combat stuff. But how did you how did you like the stage combat stuff that was required for that role? Oh, I loved it. I feel like that role definitely set the trajectory for my future roles in general because it was my starting point. I feel like everything in this business, you need a starting point. And that role was a starting point for stage combat because after that, I had a lot more roles that had stage combat. Some yeah. people have yet to have one of those. I've had three of those and I've been very fortunate. I loved every aspect of it. I'm always been an athlete too, so I think that might have contributed to it, but okay. it's always so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, I, and I've had like uh, we were talking with Chris Lopez about this as well. And he was saying, you know, he liked the sports aspect of it of it as well. Now, you unfortunately, you have a history of getting injured sometimes uh, in shows. Is that is that right? Some, somebody told yes. me that. <laughs> yes. Very, very true. I am the someone who told him that because I was like, <laughs> we need to ask her about how she manages to get injured in every single show. So, it, so people that don't know, what happened is in in Peter Pan. I almost said Robin Hood. But this didn't happen in Robin Hood, but in Peter Pan, Chris uh, Borden and I, who was the stage combat director, he and I worked out this fight. And the way we had worked everything out was we were going to be able to get by with Captain Hook having like a a softer. <laughs> You know, something not made out of metal for a hook, um, just for, you know, whatever. And but as we began to go through it, we were like, no, he has to have a real hook. So we actually made it out of metal. And that's unfortunately, you know, <laughs> one of the ways that that Bella got got injured. She got injured on the hand. And I think Bella, I, I, remind me if I'm wrong or, or correct me if I'm wrong, rather. But uh, when you went to the doctor, my wife actually read the uh the what do they call it? Radiologist. Yeah. Read the radiologist report, and the the radiologist actually said, um, "Patient has been hooked in the hand." And he didn't know how she got this injury. And she had no idea how she got the injury. So, <laughs> yeah, so tell, tell, tell me more about your injuries. Tell us more about the theater injuries that you had. <laughs> So thankfully with that one, they said that nothing was broken. It was just really, really bruised. Um, but she said that 
I could do an MRI if I wanted to because it looked like the hook might have gone through a tendon, but it wasn't necessary. She was just going to keep me in the cast for a bit. <laughs> so that one, I, I knew that one was coming. It was my fault. It was not Alex's fault at all. I kind of like had my laces all messed up and I stepped on one of them, but I knew I was not going to have enough time to turn around because I think I'm supposed to be ducking as uh, one of his swings at that point. So I just put my hand up so at least that hook would hit my face. And then in Three Musketeers, again, I hurt my ankle, Oof. ended up in the hospital, ended up on morphine, yep. ended up in a cast, yep. discovered that morphine is definitely not for me, um, got my <laughs> eye cut in uh, Three Musketeers as well. Yep. I think that one, though, the eye cut was probably adrenaline from my um, fighting partner. And then also, too, I think just the ankle was me repeatedly doing it, yeah. not allowing myself enough food that i need like proper nutrition <laughs> sleep or anything like that so i think i just kind of make my body a little brittle because of my lifestyle and i think that's why i get hurt to be honest with you yeah yeah but like we all have been in like those show modes like any actor listening to this mm -hmm. know, uh, knows and understands you know during those shows it's it's always that one particular show where you're like running on fumes you've had two hours of sleep way too much caffeine and you know your body's just not meant for this yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the tragedy of theater injuries with Isabella O'Keefe. We'll be right back. I have always found it difficult to reconcile the two natures of mankind, the good and the evil which divide man's nature. How can one person perform such wonderful acts of piety and goodness? while having the propensity within him to commit horrendous deeds simmering with evil. The answer is simple. There is indeed a profound duplicity of life. Humanity is not truly one, but two. Monday, April 26th, 2021, the Kelly and Moriarty Theatre Works present the audio play The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, based on the story by Robert Louis Stevenson, available at thekellyventura.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Everyone has two natures, good and evil, which is yours. So you've talked about playing roles that, you know, were uh, representational or that meant something a lot to the audience. What was it like playing D'Artagnan in The Three Musketeers, a role that is traditionally played by, by, a, by a male actor? What was it like? Oh, my gosh. It was so much fun in the end, but definitely one of the most stressful, both emotionally and physically, that I've ever been. And during that time, I was also first starting to work at the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival, so I had um, received the regional recipient and I was in the process of going to national. So I knew I had that. I was also in Avita as a dancer. So I remember we would have like rehearsals from, I think, like nine until four. And then Avita, our call time was like five until 11 p.m. at night. So it was definitely very stressful. And I was taking, I want to say like 26 units, maybe 29 units that semester. And I think I was working like three jobs. So I didn't have that much time, but anytime I did have, I used it to study this character. So I, first thing I did, bought three Musketeers book, 
read everything about it, watched all the Three Musketeers movies I could possibly find. But it's kind of hard because. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you read you read the book. You read the entire yeah. book. Oh, my gosh. See, I haven't even read the entire book. I've read like <laughs> like the Wikipedia Cliff Note version. Yeah, that's... yeah, I feel like I personally I love to read and I have to do that in order for me to understand the character a little more yeah. just to understand kind of like obstacles that they faced. And I feel like that definitely influences subtle choices that I choose to make that I don't necessarily always discuss with my director or my castmates but it's important to me as the character while I'm representing them so I would research a lot I would even though we would get out of notes sometimes like at 11 or midnight I would still go to Chris afterwards and I would ask hey Chris in the specific scene is there anything else I could do how did this look how did this feel and also too just between um whenever I had time will huffaker was my um, partner for most of it he was my love interest so we would rehearse some scenes we would run some lines the musketeers always wanted to run lines or they wanted to run fights so i constantly (laughs) was focused on the show i think i lost like 20 pounds in that show i know it was crazy it was such a wild time but that that show was truly one of my favorites to do because it was such like a like you were talking about starting points and jumping off points that was that literally jumping off points. literally jumping off points in some (laughs) areas of the show that's how we ended up with a broken ankle so this has happened to the best of us when it's your cue to enter for a scene and there's like a split second you psych yourself out and you feel like you forget a line or you feel like you forget a prop or you do forget a prop it happens to everybody. So let's talk about the missing necklace from the Three Musketeers. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, definitely. So um, that scene actually was with Lauren. And yes. I kind of felt okay with it because I've worked with Lauren before. So Absolutely. I'm like, okay. I know, like, I trust her. Um, she could obviously tell something's wrong. I could see it in her eyes. And then also, <laughs> too, I know that she's used to improv So throughout yeah. the entire process, um, some people were dropping lines i believe right. even like on our first night of the show one of our doors like physical doors it's like a door that we enter mm-hmm. literally broke so they're fixing it during intermission <laughs> that was fun i remember that i remember <laughs> watching chris putting that back on and i was like oh i know exactly what he's thinking right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i feel like this show more than any show i've worked on just had a lot of mishaps but i think it was largely a part of um due to our stage combat i believe this was the last show too it was so we had to redo the entire choreography i remember on this show was a sunday saturday night i had a really really bad landing on my ankle um it was really swollen it was really bruised i remember like my exit before the last scene i'm hobbling off in the dark and i was just crying and i was behind the door and i was like trying to tell like will like dude, I'm not all right. And I was trying to hold on to him, but he was so excited because it was the night we were filming. He goes through those doors right away without me. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're hopping out. It'll make sense. <laughs> so then I hop out. And um, that, so that Sunday we had to redo the entire choreography for a lot of the fight scenes because some things I just couldn't do. And this was one of the things where I was able to do it. I basically go up this ladder in the back. I'm on a high jump mat and then I have to scale, like literally scale 
still part of the set. You just like and, hurled your body like onto the set and we like basically <laughs> me and another actress like we're supposed to, you know, every other night like like we've discussed, you're very physically able. So like every other night you could like pretty much pull yourself through. It was mostly just, you know, like pretending like we were pulling you through the the window. But that night I remember I was like, she needs help. So yeah. we're like physically like pulling you through. And I knew you were in so much pain. So I felt so horribly. But I remember you getting up and again, like I've said, we've we worked with each other for years and years. And so I looked at you and I was like, something is wrong. It's like <laughs> it's not she's not in pain, but something's wrong. Like you weren't meeting my eye. And I was like, Bella, <laughs> did yeah, you forget the necklace? Like telepathically, I was looking at you and I was like, did you forget the necklace? You were like, yes. <laughs> I was like, OK, yeah. we can we can figure this out. And then I just remember seeing you. I don't even remember what happened. You just started flying through the back through the window. <laughs> and I was like, just jumped off stage. And you were like, and returning the necklace to its rightful owner. And the necklace wasn't there. And you were like, I seem I'm to like- have. I seem to have forgotten it, though. I seem to have dropped it, though, and just yeah. jumped back out the window. And the audience <laughs> loved it. And I, I was horrified for, like, a split second. But I was also like, what else is she going to do? Like, we have no other options. And I just remember you seeing you jump off that long jump mat and just hobbling your little self back to the, <laughs> back to the dressing room to go and find this necklace. Yep. And then it's so awkward, too, because you see varying actors on their different entrances waiting to enter. (laughs) So I'm just looking at them and they're just like staring at me. And then my stage manager is kind of just like looking at me, trying to um, like kind of get what's happening. And then people are in the hall and then they're like flattening themselves against the wall. And then Natalie, um, as soon as I open the door, she's like, hey, Bella, what scene are we on? Do you need this? I was like, yes, thank you. Please. I love you so much, but please get out of my way. I have to go. Yeah, I, and I have a petticoat on too, so that dress is significantly bigger. So I'm either hitting people with my dress, or I'm like crunching it up, which I probably shouldn't do. But it was like the only way that I could walk through. I think it's also too because um, normally I check my props. I'm very religious about checking yeah. my props, but that day they made me sit down, and I had to have my foot elevated and ice. Like literally, as soon as I got off the stage, I think I don't think I left to the dressing room. I think they changed me um, on set, and I think they had my ice pack and everything with me there. So I I just forgot it. To I be know. Honest. I felt so bad. I knew it. I was like, she's in so much pain. Like she just can't even. And, like process anything else right now and I was like it's the last show and our wonderful director Chris Mangles I remember at the end of the show he was like what happened <laughs> we <were> like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's... like he watches it here and there but of course it has to be the one show yeah and like all his friends all his family were filming that night and something goes wrong and he's <laughs> like so what happened with the necklace and we were like it's fine it's all good <laughs> I-, I thought nothing oh my gosh I thought I'd probably never work with him again I was so scared I was like oh my gosh it's not like I forgot it in a scene i forgot it during a show and he just he was he was like it, it happens it's okay well, <laughs> exactly we were talking actually to uh russ roberson and i mentioned the uh how should i say it mass confusion that can often <laughs> characterize uh you know times you know like tech week i think i i think i made a reference to people with with russ i think i made a reference to people running around backstage with their hair on fire <laughs> What yeah. is what is your craziest backstage story? We may have just told it, but what is your <laughs> yeah, what like, is your craziest backstage story? 
to be honest with you, I think that one that we just talked about was one of them. <laughs> but I remember for Peter Pan, I had to have an understudy because I had classes and work that I just couldn't get off of sometimes. But then for some reason, I got out really early one time. And then um, Savannah Kensinger, she got, I think she got scared a little bit. She was like, oh, I want to go on. She's like, she can go on. I was like, no, no, you finish this. Like, this is your show. I wasn't going to be here. I'll just watch. There's um, a little crocodile alligator suit <laughs> And so, like, sometimes we had two Wendy's, too. So each of the Wendy would go out with it, but not usually during the kids' shows. And so I just remember I put it on for bows, and then I come out for bows in the crocodile outfit. Behind Alex <laughs> playing yeah. Captain Hook. Exactly. He does not know I'm there. And then I jump on him and he gets so scared. And he has the hook at this point. And I don't know if he already hooked me or not. But I'm like trying to get away from the hook and I just jumps on him. So I feel like that one's probably one of my more crazier ones. I haven't had too many. Again, I get this question and I, I have my own ways of memorizing lines. But what, what technique do you use to, to memorize lines? Because you talked about all this work that you do in preparation for your roles. Is there any specific technique you use uh, for line memorization? Yeah, so um, I read the entire script and if there's any word that I kind of don't know, first things first, I'll either like circle it or underline it or I'll define it right then and there. And then I write out all my phonetic spellings um, of certain words that I just don't know or need to be pronounced a certain way, like especially if it's Shakespeare and it needs to be in verse. I'll write that stuff out first. So then once I have that, um, I'm a very big person on words. So if I have like read and then I have a writing in the same thing, I'll kind of, it'll be easier for me to memorize it because I'll look for the R's. So that's how I'll do it. And then I kind of will say like, um, I, once upon a time I saw Red Riding Hood, once upon a time I saw Red Riding Hood. I'll say that three times until it sticks and then I'll move on to the second line and then I'll keep going line by line, but having the entire thing. So eventually it gets really long, but then I'll pretty much be telling the entire story. And the first couple of lines that I keep repetitively reciting, I'll have those very, very solid. And then I'll start working backwards almost. I'll start saying the last line and then kind of work my way back towards the beginning. Oh, for a second, I thought you were going to say you did your lines backwards. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like wow, I have never heard of that. That's some serious mental gymnastics. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could. <laughs> you actually know your script backwards and forwards. So I, I was talking with Chris Lopez, and uh, you both had your start in theater, but you've obviously gone on to do bigger and better things. I was blown away by this. Tell us about your work with the Kennedy Center. Yeah. So um, honestly, that was just another one of my whims. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but that sounds kind of fun. And yeah, maybe not a lot of people know about it, but it seems interesting to me. So I'm going to go for it. So they have this um, Aspire Arts Leadership Program. I was in really big into student government. I still am. And I like the arts. So I was like, perfect. Let's go ahead and do this. Have no idea what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I learned about arts leadership was done at that regional festival. So basically, you're competing for scholarships and fellowships that will take you on to the national festival. So for the regional festival, I was chosen as the Region 8 recipient for the Aspire program, which made sure that I got a fellowship 
that basically granted me full access to the national festival, including my flight hotel and then honorariums for food every single day. So then I go on to national festival and then my mentors are people from Yale, um, Trinity Rep, which is basically Brown. And then we're doing Lort Theaters, which is essentially the League of Resident Theaters. Again, I have no idea what any of this stuff meant. Um, Still kind (laughs) of don't, to be honest with you. It's very vague. And so my cohort consisted of nine people from the different regions. So I was region eight and that represented the southwestern USA and Guam. So I basically represented Guam, Arizona, Hawaii, um, California. I think we have um, Washington or Oregon. And then we have Texas, uh, Utah. I think that's it for us. So then I go into nationals. We're touring so many different facilities. We're meeting actors, we're meeting directors, we're meeting the programmers, producers. We go to the National Endowment of the Arts. We're constantly watching shows. I remember my schedule was like, start time was 8 or 9 a.m. And then we would be going till 11 p.m. Then we'd get assigned a Yale case study and have to have an essay due on it by like 6 a.m. So again, lack of sleep. I should also mention that this whole process for nationals was done the week before opening for Three Musketeers. Mm -hmm. I literally remember coming back from my flight um, like at 3 a.m. on that Monday and then having to go to Chris's class, play the lead in two of the um, scenes that we're doing in that class go to James's class and then go immediately to tech rehearsal. And then afterwards I was supposed to be James TA, but he let me go home. So I was running on like no sleep for that first round of it. Um, So then at nationals, you're meeting so many different people kind of getting exposure, networking. A lot of those connections actually were able to foster my trajectory and where I currently am. And um, long story short, I ended up receiving the national award from the College of the Fellows of American Theater and then also the Kennedy Center, which entailed um, a summer internship, a $1,000 scholarship. And then I'm also supposed to go back for its advocacy day. I was supposed to do it last year. And then it keeps getting pushed back until we're in person. But that's really nice. And then I'll meet the future national cohorts. Ended up going to the school, um, California Arts. I ended up auditioning for the school and I actually got into it last year and I was considering transferring to it because I ended up getting in on scholarship as well and then when I went back for the summer intensive where I worked with the National New Play Network and then also just MFA people in general some of them are actually winning like current Oscars and Golden Globes Mm -hmm. and producing their own movies so that's really cool just to have them on my Facebook friends and be like I'm at Oscars (laughs) right now just one I'm like wow congrats (laughs) this is the thing I like about the most about about all of this is that it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't know what this is about, but I'll, I'll see what it's all about. And then you go like all the way to nationals and, and, and all this stuff that happens to you. This is that's that's awesome. That's I, so awesome. All right. We are talking with Isabella O'Keefe. We will be right back. You know, I'm typically a sarcastic person. I joke around a lot, but this is something I take very seriously. You know, we live in times where we as human beings face pressures on every side. Mental health and well-being is extremely important. I encourage you, if you're going through a difficult time, to reach out and talk to someone. Sometimes employers will offer free resources. There are all kinds of services available online to fit your individual needs. I encourage you, please reach out. Going it alone is not the answer. Please, if you're struggling, and honestly, who isn't these days, talk to someone. talking with my dear friend Miss Isabella O'Keefe. So there are younger actors that may be in middle school or high school right now and they're seeing what you're doing and they're seeing your work. What advice would you have for them? 
Oh, that's a tough one. Oh my goodness. Where to start? Um, one of my things that I personally struggle with is I feel like a lot of people believe in me more than I believe in myself. But I know, especially at that age, it's really hard to believe in yourself. It's really hard to get your friends and your families to believe in yourself. And it's really one of those things that's easier said than done. So I think what ultimately is going to help you do that is research. Don't You have Google. You have access to the Internet. You have access to social media. Follow If you want to be an actor in L.A., follow casting directors, follow agents. Don't necessarily reach out to them until you have everything you want. You're not going to go out for the soccer team, never playing soccer in your life. I mean, sometimes people do and some people make it and that's great. That I kind of equivalent to people who get scouted. But mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to buy the gear. They're going to figure out if they need to run to get more endurance. They're going to figure out what they need to be the best player for that tryout, which is essentially the same thing as an audition. Do your research. Never, regardless if you think bad of someone, never say it. Everyone is so competitive in this field. I've had instances to where obviously people didn't treat me good or people were acting like they were close to me, but then they were like talking about me behind their back. And that's going to happen with everyone. It's just a lot more in this industry because people want it so bad. And some people are going to project their insecurities onto you, and they shouldn't, but that's something that's likely going to happen. I'm not saying you have to be okay with it. Just be aware of it, that that's a potential consequence. And regardless of what people are saying, just pay attention to yourself and your passions and what you want to do. Know why you want to do it. Don't just do it for fun. I mean, yeah, obviously at first do it for fun, but if you want to make a career out of it, know why you want to make a career out of it because you're going to be asked all the time any single person that you meet yes they're going to tell you to network but don't network for networking's sake network to form those connections because clearly like you could just see i'm a prime example of someone who was just meeting different people and then all of a sudden those became my connections and they reach out to me and they offer me these opportunities that i would not have had if they i consider them my friends. I know that they're considered my colleagues and my networking partners, but I consider them my friends. Reach out to your professors or your instructors, form a mentorship. So essentially what that is, it just means kind of like a partnership or a friendship, but they're going to be your mentor and they could write you letters of recommendation. They could help you with different stuff. I'm in the process of Fresno State being there. I'm not really getting one, but I had auditioned for a show and one of the directors really, really liked me. So then he referred me to one of his um, friends that works in LA and he referred me for an acting audition. Never thought that was going to happen, just auditioning for a regular theater show, but it did. And now we're really good. um, I would say like we're colleagues at this point, but we're helping each other. I'm helping promote his students with, I serve on the equity, diversity and inclusion committee on Fresno State. So I'm helping promote his students. He's helping promote me in the industry, which is something I never would have had. And honestly, like, I don't know. Just believe in yourself, know why you're doing it, and just be ready for it to be hard. That's something that people don't really tell you. They tell you it's just to follow your dreams, right? but you're going to have to want it because yeah. it's so hard physically, mentally, and it's not for everyone. And if it's hurting you more than it's helping you, I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just telling you to take a break because no one really told me that. And I think I needed to hear it a lot when I was going 
through this whole process. Right. Well, I, I tell actors three things when I'm directing. I tell actors three things. Always compliment me, never look me in the eye, and never question me. No, I never say those things. <laughs> I, I, I tell actors, do the work and the results will follow. And that's exactly what you're saying. Isabella, you are one of those actors. You're one of those people who have done exactly that. We have a segment on the show here where we ask our guests... All right. Six random questions. I know I haven't prepared you for this, but we ask you six random questions in 60 seconds. So Lauren is going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. Got it. Uh, You will receive one point per question and you will be scored against other guests on the show. So, yeah. So there is no wrong answer unless unless you, of course, tell me pass and then you won't get points for that answer. Right. So at the end of the season, the guests with the most points will receive fabulous prizes. I have no idea what they're (laughs) going to be, but they're going to be fabulous. Or we may have to have all of our guests back for like a tiebreaker podcast session. I I don't know. Who knows? So if you're ready, 60 seconds. Got it. Six questions. Here we go. Okay. Favorite animal? Bunny. A Netflix show you've discovered during lockdown? Uh, Emily in Paris. Favorite food? Ooh, fruit. Weirdest pre-show ritual? I shake my hands off. In your circle of friends, who are you most like? Rachel, Ross, Monica, Joey, Chandler, or Phoebe? Ah, I've never watched Friends, but I get told I'm a mix. I, they say I act like Phoebe, but then like my mentality is Rachel, so we'll go with that. If you could play the character of your choice in any show, who would it be? I feel like I already did with the D'Artagnan. I, I mean, theater show. Uh, regular show, Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so fun. I love it. Okay, perfect. Isabella, thank you for calling in and being on the show. Theater is, as we know, a wonderful teacher. Uh, it, theater teaches us a variety of disciplines. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about that. What one lesson has theater taught you that you have applied to your life off stage? I think one of the biggest lessons is nothing's impossible. The word itself does say it's possible. And I know that's a quote and nothing's impossible till something might be impossible or out of reach until it's done. And it can be done. So I feel like I just apply that to my life, especially with student government and these policies. I'm a firm believer that just because something's been a certain way doesn't mean it needs to stay that way. And right. I feel like theater has taught me that initially, definitely with the parts that I got cast in, especially just starting with the whole main Marion and then all the roles since then. I feel like main Marion again was my jumping off point for everything that I've done. And I feel like I'm kind of become an advocate out of it just for representation, equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility. And I've taken that into all parts of my life. I kind of just breaking down barriers and I'm at the point in my life to where I don't care if I get blacklisted from a theater or a company, because if they don't want me for what I stand for, they're not for me. And I think that me and that industry or company can agree on that. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Isabella, thanks for being with us today. You're doing great work. Keep it up. Isabella O'Keefe, you're going to want to follow her on Facebook, right? Uh, they can reach out yeah, to Instagram you. Instagram, well. I'm more active on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Isabella. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to hearing everyone else. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thanks. Don't miss our next episode. Our guest will be the veteran actor, Tom Nance. Thanks, everybody. Uh- Thank you.
she's truly, she's been one of my really, really good friends for a long time. I mean, we mentioned we um, started working with her for the first time around 2017. No, earlier than that. 2016. 2016, sorry. Like 2015, 2016. And so... We've we've been friends for a while, and like I said, she's I've seen her grow as a person and as an actor, and it just keeps getting better and better. She's so like we've had with other actors on the show. Um, she's so humble and yep. intelligent, of course, but um, so there's there's just so much more to her um, than just being a great actor that she is. But and one of the things I liked about her too is at the end of the interview, she was talking about. You know, being herself and mm-hmm. and standing up for some things that she believed in, and I thought that was just very very cool. And when she said, you know, I'm going to stand up for who I am, and if other theaters even, you know, that's going to be her livelihood, no doubt. That's the her career path, right? Um, if other theaters don't like it, then I don't essentially I don't want to work with them. And that's like, wow, how liberating can that be? Right, exactly. And I think that's something that so many people can learn from. And you mentioned that you were like. That's great that you're you know that at such a young age because you mentioned that I mean you were just learning that and me as well where it's like you know what that's that's true where it's like you know if if they don't if they don't like me for who I am what is the sense in working with them or for them because it's it's not um, it's not a environment conducive to what I believe in and it takes people a really long time to learn that but that's so awesome that she's an advocate for that and knows that at such a young age yeah yeah and that's something that too like you said um, uh, we can take with us I teach actors the same thing it's like you know theater is going to teach you a lot of stuff and one of the things is to just be yourself and yeah. to be true to who you are that was awesome destination. We at the KellyVentura.com realize that you have a choice when selecting a podcast. And on behalf of the entire cast and crew, we want to say thank you for listening. Please make sure to remain in your seats until we are parked at the gate and the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign. This has been a production of the KellyVentura.com.